Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In an era of online retail where everything is just a few clicks away, buying a car should be no different. That's why at Carvana, you can buy a car 100% online. We made it easy to browse, view, and buy from over 10,000 cars. You can even trade in your old car, all while binge-watching your favorite TV show. Afterwards, we'll deliver your car to you. Or you can pick it up from one of our car vending machines. Either way, your car comes with a seven-day return policy. So grab a seat, relax in your comfy pants, and enjoy the new way to buy a car at Carvana. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one two three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, hello. On today's show, we are talking about the first full trailer for Toy Story 4. On top of that, oh wow, Cardi B is in a movie. And then uh, to round out our lineup, it's uh, Transformers having uh, sex and kisses. No, there's no sex and kisses in the Transformers movies, but some romance was teased, whatever that means. We will dig into it. We have the Transformers Woo! expert right, right here who can clear up all of those, uh, I don't know, like anatomy questions we're going to have. We'll figure it out <laughs> soon. Uh, I want to welcome to the table koi and roca guys Hello. i'm so happy to be here we have a big big lineup more stories than usual but first how are you doing good very very busy day here but excited to talk about all these trailers and movie stories with you guys a lot of fun haven't done this with koi yet so i'm even more looking forward to it i'm oh, sure he's no. easier to get along with than jay washington was <gasps> yesterday that's oh, right no. i said it that's right he's <laughs> a mike he likes it kind of guy he just yeah. likes stuff so i'm yeah. pretty excited and i'm used to roca being in the other side of the whiteboard <laughs> so we get to work alongside each other yeah. instead of 45 minutes there's no whiteboard of justice here. I'm in control. All right. We're hitting our first story now. And, of course, it's the first full trailer for Toy Story 4. So this trailer wound up giving us a much deeper look at the plot. The characters this time around go on an all-new adventure. And it kicks off with a new character that we're going to meet. And that character is named Forky. Forky is a spork who's been made into a toy and faces an existential crisis. And uh, this trailer shows what happens when Forky gets away and and then Woody goes after him. Toy Story 4 hits theaters June 24th. Roka, we've spoken about Toy Story mm-hmm. 4 quite a bit with all the little pieces of the promo campaign yeah. that we've seen yeah. thus far. I know you are not a fan. Did this change things for you? No, it really didn't. And I and I hate to be one of the people sitting here on the island in the minority not not liking this trailer because I saw a lot of people loving this trailer but I don't like the design of Forky I don't like I, and I respect Tony Hill he's an incredibly funny guy the voice okay it doesn't make me want to cheer for this character the change in Bo Peep is weird but the, the, the we're doing the same story beats every single Toy Story oh someone escapes we gotta go rescue him someone gets lost we gotta go rescue him hey look uh, Forky's gone we gotta go rescue him it's, it's just repetitive repetitive you have a new Bo Peep but what does this mean 
scene, Bo Peep takes care of the what looks to be the villain in the new place quickly in the trailer. So what's here to find? Yes, there are other kids. Yes, there are other things to do. But I thought they're, they're, they were going to be handed off to Bonnie, and that was the new story. This feels like Bonnie's rejecting all the other toys and going with Forky, and they got to go get Forky so they can make her happy. So overall, I just – and I didn't like the animation. So I, I'm just one of these people who doesn't like what I've seen so far, and I don't sense that magic. I watched it three times today. What's didn't your problem with Forky? I don't like him. Why? He's annoying. The way it looks is annoying, and he's not cute and fun like all the other characters in the Toy Story universe. I think he's such an extremely different character, and I know it's the point because it's a spork. But I just, <laughs> but like for me, I don't feel a desire. I could care less if they save him or don't, and that should not feel that way when I watch this trailer. Do you hate Forky as much? Yeah. I didn't realize that was going to be a problem. The sentence said in real life, of, I get it because he's a spork. Like that's a real life situation with Toy Story. For me, the concepts are more interesting than the trailer. Uh, For me, the idea of what moment you're an actual toy is kind of the question they're raising because this sport comes to life once he's been bestowed toyhood mm-hmm. and that's really interesting to me like when it was a spork it was inanimate as soon as it got googly eyes and wiggly arms it became a toy and then it became life so to me the bigger broad strokes I'm having an existential crisis along with Sporky <laughs> so the trailer didn't capture my attention enough to want to know about the movie itself it did capture my attention in the mythology of Toy Story because now I'm like hey what is the spark of life hey where do the toys come from hey was the the big bang a thing that happened in this universe hey what is creationism in the world of, like it's more of the mythology of toys for this world because i'm fascinated in real life what like we think about ourselves we're just meat sacks right like we just exist in this form <laughs> so what are toys intelligence like what like it's the matrix question are we all just hooked up into a vat are these toys aware of themselves when that when they get depowered do they are they aware of them being like dragged around do toy stories toys die and then are we carrying around their corpses i have more questions wow. our first story of the day know, right? our heads can't explode yet there's but so much. For all the reasons you, you just said is the reasons why I love Forky as a character and why Forky is the driving force behind this trailer because this finally introduces like the new original thing to Toy Story 4 that mm-hmm. I've been waiting for all along. And I know they had teased Forky's edition, but yeah. now that we actually get to see how he comes into the fold and the issues that he's dealing with and basically what sends him out the window, that's what intrigues me, especially because... You know, all the things that you you just said, Coy, that's what we had in Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. How do you take that a step further? Introduce something that isn't traditionally a toy, an inanimate object. Because, I mean, let's face it, we all have little hints of that still even today as adults. When you look at something that you deeply care about, you're not imagining maybe that it has a personality or something mm-hmm. like that. But if it's something like even a laptop, like you hold near and dear, it's that connection and what it means to you that I really, I think it does have some value for kids <laughs> and adults. Okay, interesting. It's not I like, like it. my, no, no, my no, laptop's but... not walking around on a daily <laughs> no, 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 basis, but it's like the adult nature to want yeah. to take care of one of your possessions. You know how many dudes talk about cars that way, right? Like, so, oh, this is my baby, this mm-hmm. is my girl, blah, 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 things of that nature. So I get it, of course. And I like this idea, though, and, Corey, you made me think a little bit as you were going on about this, like, she creates the character, the character Sporky. So it's in essence she's giving birth right. to this character. So this character now has to ask itself: I didn't ask to be born. Who am I? What am I? What am she I? She is God to the Spork. She is. She's mom to the Spork. <laughs> it's fascinating. Really, she's mom to the Spork. Of like, hey, I, I was used for this. Now I'm this. What am I supposed? How do I transition here? So yeah, maybe there is. I know existential crisis is funny <laughs> when you talk about it, but like this idea that a Spork could have questions about its creation and its existence and could be Blade Runner. 
Florida. Is, right. Is I want to go there. Replicants. Yeah, sure. There's, <laughs> I mean, it's way, we're waiting, reading way too much into this, but it's an interesting I don't think we thing. are because yeah? I think they're okay. using this character to hint on, to touch on those themes that mm. we often don't think about when we're watching certain animated movies. Then again, now that I'm thinking about it, Pixar of all animation oh, yeah, of studios yeah. has been the studio to tap into it because now my mind is immediately going to Inside Out and how that has oh, yeah. semi-changed how I view my own emotions functioning in my sure. head. And I like the idea that toys, they're, they're multiples, right? Mm. And we saw the Slappy dolls or like, you know, they look like Scarface or Slappy to me, the ventriloquist yeah. dolls. I want there to be an existential crisis in the fact that there are multitudes. Imagine if Buzz met another Buzz. Woody met another Woody. Mm. Imagine knowing you were not your own unique entity. What would that do to your psyche? How would that break you? What would that affect you like? So if they're going to do that with the Spork and they go existential on one newly created creature, maybe these Slappy dolls lost all sense of self because they met more of them at that pawn shop. Maybe they all went insane because they realized they weren't unique. It's fat. Like, the ramifications that probably won't happen are exciting to me. It's just whether or not the movie can live up to the expectations I've just put on it with this yeah, existential. Buzz had to confront that in the second film when right. he went to the toy barn, right, and saw all the different versions of himself. And, of course, then there was the Spanish edition and the yeah. third one, which was really funny. So, yeah, but again, they're repeating the themes that we've seen before. So, I just wonder if they're going to stick the landing. I haven't seen anything that makes me excited yet, and I love this trilogy. So, that's, uh, maybe, I may be a bit harsher on it, because I I wanted, I didn't need a fourth one, and I wanted to stick the landing so badly, and I'm scared that they won't. Well, the pressure is on. The movie doesn't come out until June 21st, so odds are we are going to be talking about another trailer on this show in the coming weeks. You'll have to be on that episode, Roka. All right. I got a story for you now. Going to change things up for Mr. John Roka right now. We are talking about Transformers, and uh, specifically, producer Lorenzo de Bonaventura was talking to our very own Haley Fouch while uh, working on the movie Pet Sam. He's a producer on that. They reconnected to talk about that movie, and Haley also asked about Transformers. And he started to tell her about things that they're considering based on the reaction to the movie Bumblebee. And here are two quotes from him. One of the things I want to see, and I don't know if we'll do this particular thing, but I think we will eventually do a love story between Transformers. What does a love story mean? Definitely not sex, maybe not even kissing, but the idea that they would have that emotional crush has never really been brought in. That's that's the kind of direction we're going to try to head in, which is to give them human desires that up until now we haven't seen much of. And then on top of that, he also had mentioned and um, because some out there who maybe weren't a big fan of Bumblebee complained that there wasn't enough action in the movie. And to that, he said, I know the next Transformer, our attempt anyway, is to do sort of a fusion of Bumblebee and the Bay movies a little more Bayhem. So, all right. First off, Roka, what do you think about these comments? Are these the things you want to be hearing about the future of the Transformers franchise based on what you thought about Bumblebee? It's such a fascinating response. So I'd love to know what Haley's question was that led him into talking about, <laughs> you know, like a, a romance or whatever. I'm sure you'll be able to read that full interview on Collider.com Boom. very soon. <laughs> where's the ding? That was a beautiful where's plug my right bell? there. Yeah, where's my bell app? Ding, ding, ding. Oh, I could, yeah, I'm sure I can text to Kaylee and ask her, what was your question? But look, this is a fascinating response for him because, I mean... This is not where you necessarily want to go with this because it's the humans that have the relationships and then, you know, the, the Transformers protect them usually through the history of Transformers. But this idea that we can have, a, you know, like Transformers relationships, I'm absolutely cool with that. I-
Now, the second part, what did I tell you? If it didn't make money, they were going to start walking back to Michael Bay. Mm -hmm. And what happened already? There's the comment. More Bayhem. They even used Michael Bay's terribly arrogant term for himself, Bayhem. They used it. It's going to happen. I told you people, if it didn't make money, they were going to go walking back Transformers to Michael Bay, and they have done it. Dave Aventura is essentially saying that's what they're going to do. And people were afraid walking out of the theater when they saw executive producer Michael Bay. I hate to break it to you. This is the way it's going to go. Well, he was still involved in Bumblebee. It's not like they completely cut him off and then moved down to Travis Knight. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I guess a little. I have to admit, I kind of did want that. And I loved what I got in Bumblebee, but it doesn't really scare me that he uses the term Bayhem because, I mean, I see that suiting the franchise going forward as long Mm -hmm. as they keep the primary focus on character and building those relationships, I think then you can sustain more action than what we got in Bumblebee. But I can't believe Wally wasn't the first thing that came to my mind. Wally's- That's like one of the most beautiful examples of robot romance. And it's love. It's love right there. Wow. And yeah. it's it's so pure and sweet. So mm-hmm. I believe they can do it here. I believe they really can, but 
it's it's just going to be an interesting thing to see what they do with this uh, franchise from here on out because it's just it's fascinating to me that you had a certain type of movie that made a whole lot of money and mm. didn't get a great uh, critical response and then all of a sudden you make a critical darling and uh, it's not that it tanked it nope. just came nowhere close to making other Transformer type I guess bank accounts but neither did five right like five did uh, like a, five, it was a significant five dip made, but it right. still but made dip, a lot but it made way more than bumblebee sure sure five uh, and, and here's the deal i mean this is what perry and i battle all the time commerce versus art right yeah it's commerce yes bumblebee are, you i would fight on that die on that hill the best transformers movie released yet mm-hmm. uh, other than the uh and i might even put it over the animated wow. film to be honest with you because there's a lot of cheesiness and nostalgia that goes in the 80s animated film but you look at this and you put this is the path to go down i think what perry said is absolutely right this is the path to go down mm-hmm. you want to not lose the heart you want to keep the g1 vibe to it but you want to add more action to it so what does that mean do mm-hmm. we now move away from the Haley steinfield story because it like essentially was the end of her story at the end of the movie where do we go now mm-hmm. and I wonder what we lead to and I would throw in two things to you Perry her is a relationship between a program and the human and also the same thing, beautifully done exactly and the same thing with Blade Runner 2049 yeah that was a beautiful the, relationship so with Anna Diarmas so it's possible Love exists wherever. <laughs> as long as you can exist, you can have love. Or AI is already real, and this is the robots programming us to accept robot love, and we're just slowly being programmed. Back to meat sacks, you guys. I'm going to the existential robot stuff love. this episode. Um, just to paint a picture of what the box office was like, we had Transformers the last night make $131.4 million total domestic. Bumblebee was actually right behind that with $127 million of its own, but then when you go to the worldwide wow. totals, that's where you see the bigger gap. Bumblebee be wound up topping out at about $460 million worldwide. But Transformers The Last Night, again, not nearly as successful as some of the other Transformers movies, but it did make six, uh, $605.4 million worldwide. So, you know, we're talking about basically a $150 million gap there. So that is a nice chunk of money. Before we move on to story number three, I must remind you, we are going to take your live Twitter questions at the end of the show. So start sending them in right now using the hashtag Collider Movie Talk. All right. Next story here is a casting story, and it's that...
Now we're going to move on to another story. This is our headliner for the day. So we've got Variety reporting that Christopher Nolan has cast Black Klansman star John David Washington in his next movie. It's being described as an event film. Washington's casting is uh, pretty much the only concrete detail we have at this point. Some recent reports did claim, though, that the film would be a romantic thriller that played like a mix between Inception and Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest, but Warner Brothers and Nolan's camp have shut that down. Then on top of that, we also got a tweet from Fandango's Eric Davis, and he wrote, this just in, we have confirmed that Christopher Nolan's next film is not being described as a romantic thriller. Instead, it is being described as a massive, innovative action blockbuster. So those four words of the description there. John David Washington, of course, to star. Can't wait. So that is uh, where the description lies. So I hope we cleared some of that up for you. First off, though, Coy, let's start with you here. Just simply the John David Washington casting. I'm assuming that's a uh, winning match for you. Completely. I love, I mean, we talk about from pop to mainstream with music, with actors, all these things. He's a football star following his dad's footsteps, doing all this action movie world. To me, Nolan picks amazing actors out of nowhere. I loved the the casting of the people in Dunkirk because yes. they were, you know, pop stars. They were not actors. They were people that weren't in that limelight, but it sold a lot of tickets because they have their own following. This ties weirdly into the Cardi B story more than I expected. But the casting for me... I don't need much else to be in for this being an event movie. Christopher Nolan is an instant sell, and he knows that. The world knows that. This summer release date shows the confidence. His casting has me interested, and I want this to stay as under wraps as possible. I love that they gave us four adjectives that paint any sort of picture that could be almost anything, and I would love personally if this was... He's done Space of Interstellar. He's done War with Dunkirk. He's done, you know, psychological thriller with Inception. I would love a little more streamlined action movie out of Chris Nolan. I I love his introspective, very ponderous, slow burn, all of those things that make Chris Nolan what he is. But there's a reason The Dark Knight works so well, is it's his most linear film. And as much as I want him to play with Interstellar and play with Inception, I'd love for this to be like a return to linear filmmaking. I'd like to see a straight on smart, but action film out of him to just mix it up. Like, I want to see a, a 90s action movie from Chris Nolan, because that would be something so different. That intrigues me. And it would actually suit the IMAX format, I think, in a different way than his past movies have. Roko, what do you think Nolan is going to do with this movie? It's interesting. You know, um, I, I had this weird feeling as you were asking us before we started, like what we want to do and or want to see from Nolan. And for me, wouldn't it be interesting if he found a way to do a uh, time jump type movie that's still an action adventure type movie, maybe a little sci-fi vibe to it with Denzel and John David, where it's like seeing the future and past versions of themselves and what that means and where the paths they are and how that the decisions made here affect what's going on later and then how you know it goes back and forth through this uh, uh, areas of time and what he's trying to tell us. Because in Interstellar, which I thought was his most ambitious film, what he's talking about is love. Let's take the next level of that, and what you're talking about is, is the existence. What your existence? This is a weird show. The existence <laughs> of all of this. Dylan's movie is going to be about a spark. <laughs> in the end, it's a spark. <laughs> no, like, so, I mean, I just would like to see something with John David and Denzel, maybe in some sort of like kind of time, uh, you know, existing in different separate times, but affecting each other in that way. I would love to see that. Like a, like a Tree of Life meets yes. Looper. Yeah, yeah, kind of a Tree of Life meets Looper with that. Uh, 
J.K. Simmons TV series thrown in for fun, where they had alternate worlds at the same time. Oh, Con- conspiracy or whatever it was called. I forget what it was called. Incredible show that I watched. I just can't remember the name of it. I saw it last year. But yeah, something of dual worlds existing at the same time in different time periods. I want it all shot in IMAX. I want yeah. it because we've had sure. many multiple chunks of scenes in movies. I'd love if it stayed the frame rate. I'd yep. love to have a full feature shot in IMAX. I think we're there. I think the tech is there. I think if anyone's going to let anyone do it, it's Nolan having a free blank check because yeah. his movies always make money. I, I think they should shoot a full feature in IMAX. I think it should be a more linear action film only because I know there'll be an inherent intelligence, but I'd like to see something a little less ponderous. Mm-hmm. Well, the the uh, Variety article labels Kevin it Hart. a massive innovative Kevin action blockbuster, which will again be shown in IMAX. So so who knows if the entire thing is going to be shot mm-hmm. in IMAX. But even though the studio has uh, has refuted some of the descriptors, I still have them in my mind. So when I'm playing this little creative <laughs> game here and I'm trying to formulate an idea, I actually side with what you suggested, Coy. I really wouldn't mind if he just sticks to a straightforward linear storytelling mm-hmm. format. But I don't think that's what's going to happen here. Because <laughs> the second they use the word, word innovative, my mind immediately goes back to both Inception and interstellar and i start thinking about about dreams and dimension and then even though they have already taken away the north by northwest uh comparison i'm immediately going with uh with someone who is misidentified and then Mm. i'm throwing in the romance thing and then i start to uh put in what you were just suggesting (laughs) it's just like i don't know like maybe this idea of mistaken identity with a with a romance twist that kind of could transcend different different dimensions especially because i mean not that this has anything to do with spider Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, but I'm, I'm just obsessed oh, with yeah. this idea of stories being able to exist on multiple planes, mm-hmm. and I feel like that is something he can do, and it could be a really interesting thing for him to play around with that also that idea feels different to me than what we got in Inception and mm-hmm. Interstellar. For me, the word innovative is to me an all but IMAX film, like the whole way through. He's been trying to, every movie of his since Dark Knight, he's been adding more IMAX camera footage. They, they tease Dark Knight Rises with those 20 minutes of IMAX, and he's been leaning into that, and he's a big film guy. So you think that's a production thing, not a storytelling I think, thing? I think Nolan is inherently innovative, but I think that buzzword is going to be the first hmm. feature film shot completely in IMAX. Yep. I think that's the way they're going. I could see that happening. I, don't yeah you could be online right there all right we're gonna have to wait and see hopefully we will get uh some more concrete descriptors from the studio and from nolan's camp real soon we've got one more story on the main lineup today and that is a trailer for lucy in the sky starring natalie portman so this is a fox searchlight movie and it's directed by noah hawley and lucy in the sky stars natalie portman as astronaut lucy cola who begins to lose touch with reality after returning Turning to Earth, which now seems small when compared to the majesty of space. It's weird how I'm reading that and I'm connecting it to like all of our conversations right now. It's all getting to my head. Uh, first off, Roka, you yeah. look at this and you see Natalie Portman in this and you get the vibe from it. And I think the vibe was very much in line and even yeah. some of the, the sets for that matter with First Man. So my mind just keeps going down the is this an Oscar movie path. So I'm going to pose that question to you. Do mm-hmm. you see something like this and say, hey, Maybe uh, Noah Hawley can have an, an Oscar in his future. Uh, this was my immediate thought when I saw the trailer. I'm a massive fan of space movies. So to me, this hit all the right buttons. Uh, I just saw the Apollo 11 documentary which you, from Neon. If you haven't seen that, do yourself a favor and go see that, especially in IMAX. It's gorgeous. Um, but this is, you know, this follows First Man, which I loved. Gravity, which I enjoyed. This kind of vibe of Noah Hawley, which I love from Legion. He, what he did with that character and the Fargo series. If you haven't seen the Fargo series, do yourself a 
favor and do that. So you put his sensibilities into a film like this, and it looks incredible, looks trippy, looks mind-blowing, looks obviously pondering your existence, pondering your connection to the world, and it stands for more than just space versus uh, versus uh, Earth, right? Like, how many of us go off somewhere for a while, and when we, we have the hardest time coming back and transitioning back in our own lives because we glimpsed or we tasted what could have been another existence for our lives that feels so much more fulfilling those kinds of things and you see what she's going through and you see her like i guess she's cheating on her husband with uh, with john ham possibly over dan stevens and so there's a lot about this that i am ready to dial in and this looks to me like another oscar possibly for natalie portman honest i know people like the jackie stuff and black swan but this looks to be this is a mature actress coming into her power even more as she's gotten older and uh, i'm excited to see this and i hope it knocks it out of the park and noah if he nails it definitely should be nominated for i am very into this as well you know i'm always hesitant this far out and just based on a trailer to be like oscar contender Mm -hmm. but this one does have the packaging to at least put that bug in your head and this thing looks beautiful. I yeah. mean, and she's fantastic. You don't need me to tell you that. But there were so many things in this trailer that gave me such a clear sense of what the general story is going to be in this. But I think it's going to be very much in her head. You watch how that frame size changes throughout. It's yeah. like, what does that mean? How does that make me feel? And I have a feeling that's going to be a key part to just having you engage with this character and kind of get sucked into that mindset. And just this whole idea of the way she looks at human beings around her after having that experience experience it's like the feeling of the trailer really affected the the alone feeling that she must have coming back from something like this that nobody out there in the world can relate to her or i mean a very select Mm -hmm. few amount of people no one immediately in her life and that it, it must be a magical experience to get to do something like that but then to come back and have nobody around you who could really understand what you've experienced god that must be isolating for me this looked like the my favorite parts of first man which dealt with claustrophobia and isolation and that feeling of aloneness and the sound design in first man was one of my favorite things oh, was yeah. the creaking of the ship and the and the, the the spontaneity it's the most dangerous job in the world you're launching yourself you're the first that meets hurt locker mm-hmm. for me hurt locker was all about the isolation of uh, imagine all that stimuli and then coming back to the regular of the world how slow things would feel that shot of jeremy renner looking at the row of cereals at the grocery store oh, sticks yeah. with you that's such oh, a powerful right. image to me this trend was that image in the hallway uh, at the grocery store hallway for a larger scale because when you're flying like, I don't know if you guys do this but when I'm flying I often like look down at the houses and then I imagine how small the people are in the houses then I imagine that each of those people in individual houses has their own lives and that when they're down there they look up at the airplane and we're all individuals living our own lives and that extrapolates out to thousands and thousands and every city is millions and millions every window you look in in any building everyone's lived a life in there through decades of their time she experienced that on a planetary scale mm-hmm. and then on a scale of looking at a planet looking at every continent as those billions of lives and she knows what it's like to pull yourself out so to resume life the claustrophobia that would be caused by leaving the planet being smaller than you from your worldview your perspective to being part of the small microcosm of the thing you saw from above from such a distance and to deal with that compression to deal with that lack of empathy to deal with that not being able to 
talk with anyone, plus the in-camera editing of Noah Hawley. Noah Hawley builds worlds in-camera and edits and shapes, so we're going to get the claustrophobia of First Man, the crazy reality of Hurt Locker, plus Natalie Portman being Natalie Portman, a powerhouse, Zazie Beetz, John Hamm, like Dan Stevens. Give this movie Oscars now just from the trailer. This mm, is sorry, like, that was a rant. I just this that's is what like I do when I fly. mind F of a movie talk episode. I feel like none of us, <laughs> none of us are going to sleep yeah. tonight in Koya. I feel like you're the kind of person that would never kill a fly because you would imagine what like that fly's second the cousin would do without fly. him. That fly <laughs> might bring pollen or another item to someone else we might need. Like why? I don't even break ice when it's winter because mm. someone else might get to. I'm a weird like you look at the big picture. I think about that. I think about that when it comes to killing bugs, not so much the ice thing. Because um, <laughs> if I step on a puddle, a kid might enjoy the crack more than me, so I leave it for the kid. You know, that, that sh- that's an impact. You okay, Roka? It's an interesting mind you have. <laughs> Meat sports. Sports. Uh, it's really thoughtful, actually. Um, yeah, we're done with the main lineup right now. We got we to gotta move on, guys. Uh, before we start taking your live Twitter questions, which will no doubt incite even more interesting conversations, I must remind you that you have a full lineup on Collider Video tomorrow, starting in the morning with Collider Live. Of course, we are back at 4 p.m. PT Live for a brand new episode of Movie Talk. And then there's a show called Heroes. Koi, do you want to tease what's on the episode tomorrow? So we are talking about that Avengers trailer that dropped the day after we did our show <laughs> that we waited six days to talk about. Uh, we are going to be talking about the James Gunn madness. We also have the news that Spider-Man is a seven to eight year plan. This week's pull list of comics is crazy. We have a great guest. Collider Heroes this week's going to be awesome. Okay, Twitter questions. You guys ready to roll into it? Let's do it. This first one's not for you. Adam in the booth has a fan. Adam, Donnie's like a really big fan of yours, and Donnie wants to know, a question for Adam in the booth, is Denny's a true American institution? Why is this something that's spreading everywhere? Are you doing something with Denny's that I don't know about? (laughs) (laughs) All right, this episode is not sponsored by Denny's. All right, let's move on to a question from good old Jay Scott for real who asks, how does a film with a star-studded cast like Free Fire fly so below the radar, even if on a shoestring budget, shouldn't the names attached be enough to generate a decent word of mouth? Free Fire was a good film. Yeah. But all the time, there are great films that come out during a year that just don't grab the public's attention in mass, no matter who's in them. And they just don't, they, people just don't go see them, but they discover them or they find new life on the streaming services or on the pay channels. Brie Larson's in this thing. Uh, Charlotte Copley's in this thing. Army Hammer. Army, Army Hammer's, Hammer's in this thing. But they're all, like, and this is before Brie blew up. So, I mean, I know the room and everything, but room is also a smaller film as well. It wasn't making a billion dollars at the box office like Captain Marvel's going to do. Uh, Army Hammer was kind of in and out at the time. So it's just a combo of characters who are all good actors, but there's no real lead to drag you into this one mm-hmm. so but it's still a fantastic film it happens all the time well, it's also a matter of multiple things uh, coming into play when it mm-hmm. comes to marketing a movie and spreading word of mouth i don't yeah. think really with almost anybody anymore it's just about the headliner yeah. even when we're talking about tom cruise it's tom cruise and Mission Impossible. You're That's right. the franchise. I mean, look what happened with The Mummy. Yeah. That has yeah. star-studded cast, yeah. and it crashed and burned. So I think it's just about so many different things working at peak level that even if you have an incredible ensemble like this, it doesn't necessarily guarantee that it's going to find a wide audience, but an incredible, very popular ensemble like this could take a more challenging, bold film like Free Fire and at least get it in front of more eyes than it would have been without those individuals. That's a great point. And I, I think Free Fire had a marketing thing. Like, I think 
think the issue was in marketing because I saw Free Fire, but I saw it because of its cast. Ironically, what we're right. talking about, I saw it because I followed Army Hammer. I discovered that kid from Transformers was great because right. uh, I didn't really know his work except Transformers. This he was great in, uh, and Charlton Copley is always a powerhouse. Like the, I I liked Free Fire, but I also understood that it wasn't a mass market movie. It's a movie that was really good for a certain group of people, and I think it's gonna have a cult following in its cast, in its ensemble, in its style. But that's not something that the you know a mom and and estate whatever blah blah mm-hmm. blah is gonna take her kids to. It's not a movie for the masses, but I think it probably did well enough to, to recoup its budget, and I think it was a passion project for everyone in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am going to take one quick question uh, from J. Scott Real again, just because uh, he's also asking, what was the highlight of your experience at South by Southwest this year? Just very briefly, I'm very torn between the two movies that were my favorite of the festival. Right now, Booksmart would be in the number two position, but at number one, I have Pet Cemetery and Ooh. Us Tied. Oh. And it's going to come down to second viewings. It's like, if you were forcing me right now to pick a favorite between the two, which one would I want to watch right now? I honestly don't know if I could make a decision. I love the two of them so much. Mm. Thank you for those questions. Jay Scotty, we really appreciate all the ones you send in. Next one comes from Bill Clay. Bill Clay is asking, in light of Toy Story 4, what is a franchise or series you love but wish they would stop making more of <laughs> while they are ahead? Ooh, that's a good question. Would you ever have said that at any point in the Transformers run? <laughs> yeah, that was my first I'm, thought. I'm, was actually, actually... I'm genuinely curious. No, I mean, there were always dumb films as long as they were making money. That's all I cared about because then I'd see another fun, dumb film <laughs> and enjoy myself and get drunker at each one, which is how I see them, which is the best way to see them. Let Four me tell Loco you. and Transformers 4 was my jam. Yes, yeah, twice. There you, go. <laughs> um, you know what? I, this is kind of a, probably a controversial one, but I think Mission Impossible. I, I'm scared to go too much farther with Tom. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the ankle breaking is symbolic in many ways. And what happened to putting the production back, people out of work, that kind of thing, because he has to do his own stunts. And how much farther can you go? Yeah. I think the Fast and the Furious one would have been the next one, too, for me. But Hobbs and Shaw gives it a nice, Mm -hmm. like, kind of new life. But with Mission Impossible, there's not many places you can go unless you hand the character off, Ethan Hunt, off to someone else uh, at this point. But to me, that's it scares me because Tom's getting, hey, look, we all get old. Tom's getting old. I'm scared that something serious is going to happen to him the more he does these stunts. And I love Cruise, so... What you got, Coy? Uh, Fast and Furious would have been my first. And I do agree the Hobbs and Shaw pivot is going to allow the, the fresh life to take hold. But it's also a franchise that started out with stealing DVD players. Uh, and now right, we're, right. We're, we're basically superheroes. Once yeah. you brought in Hobbs and shaped it that way, it was great for another couple movies. I love the Fast and the Furiouses. But Fate of the Furious was very much a superhero film. Yeah. So there's only so much farther you can go while these people are still human. Uh, <laughs> and like eventually they're going to have to go to space. Like There's only so much further. So, or get a concussion, for God's sake. feel a thing. Uh, yeah. So since Fast and the Furious is tricky with Hobbs and Shaw derailing. I have to say, Captain America. Uh, because, Ooh, and that's, you know, the heroes guy on the show yeah. talking about it, but First Avenger is its own special, special film. I think Winter Soldier is probably the best as its own entity superhero film and then I think Civil War so if Winter Soldier is the best movie based on comic properties I think Civil War is the best comic book movie Uh, so because the the fight at Civil War is like the first time you open that double page spread in a comic Mm -hmm. and the first time you felt of that it's a damn near perfect trilogy in that they're all different they're all important they all grew I don't want Cap to keep going and have that be... I want to leave on top. Mm. And like with Endgame and him probably dying, that's a great way to end that. I would like to see, if they do Bucky, have it be a Winter Soldier thing. Have it be a little harder, not call it Cap. If mm. they go Falcon, have him be Falcon. I think Captain America should end as a trilogy, and I think we should like let that be precious. 
That's actually a good example. Um, I'm having a very tough time picking one because immediately my mind went to Jurassic Park just because I think there are some Mm. diminishing returns. But that just speaks to my love of the franchise that even though they aren't great and none of them I think will ever be as great as that original, Mm. I am so into that world and that reality that I could never... I mean, this must be how you feel about Transformers. I could never say no to another opportunity to step back into that. And then I started to switch gears while you guys were talking and think about maybe a TV show that's been running a little too oh. long in my mind immediately went to American Horror Story, but mm. I can't even propose that as an option because I think there's still creative possibilities for an anthology series like that where maybe if they just switched gears a little and started to narrow their focus rather than do these big, crazy ideas, that show still has a lot of life and potential. So... I don't know. I'm I'm very hesitant to close the door on anything because if you introduce the right people and you have the right story, you could turn anything around in a heartbeat. And then an example that comes to mind that we were talking about earlier is Annabelle Creation. Yeah. After Annabelle, I would have said never make another Annabelle <laughs> movie ever again. And then David Sandberg steps in and makes a really, really great sequel. Prequel. And you know. Chris Morgan coming on Fast and the Furious when he introduced Hobbs, when Chris Morgan yep. brought a different level. I mean, uh, Fast 4 is basically a noir film, very different tone. They reinvigorate it with 5. So there is the possibility that 9 won't be a superhero movie. It'll completely change my tune. But with the way it's escalating, I think we both agree that's a dangerous line yeah. to walk. Yeah, Rocky Balboa would have been the other Rocky would have oh, been the other one. But, if, but Creed coming in like Hobbs and Shaw gives it a whole new life. So mm-hmm. we'll see. But yeah, Rocky would have been another one. Um, also, Debbie Schechter has uh, oh. chimed in to ask anybody talking about the merger completing. So do you guys have anything to add to that? We're probably going to save that for a future yeah. iteration of Movie Talk because I think uh, right before Showtime, we did get a headline that says the merger is about to be completed, so it's a done deal. We still don't have concrete information regarding how that's going to affect you know, Fox and Disney and their properties and what they have. So once we have like a little more meat to chew on in that conversation, it's going to be a really interesting thing to dig into. But at this point in time, anything new you guys want to add to the conversation? I'm just happy it's happening and we're going to be done with it once talking about it once for all and we can now focus on what the ramifications and the consequences are and what possibly good things are going to come out of this merger. We've been talking about it almost as long as I've been hosting. It's either been a rumor or it's been in the process of happening. I understand it's a giant merger. It takes years, but it's been fairly exhaustive. Uh, There's a lot of positives. There's a lot of negatives. And uh, I I want to see the dust settle and see where the negatives are before I assume them. You can kind of assume the positives easier. Everyone wants to see Wolverine high-five cap. Everyone wants to see Mm. the thing handled properly. But there are a lot of jobs that might be on the line. There's There's tens of thousands of jobs, but we don't know how they're going to handle it because as far as I know, Fox's banner is still going to exist. So mm-hmm. I hope that I hope that Disney is able to keep people in their jobs that deserve to keep their jobs. I hope that the the fear of multiple studios competing is fairly resolved and I really hope that every I hope everyone's happy. Mm. <laughs> I know it's a tall order. I mean, that's the thing that I focus on at this stage more so than anything is yes, we will cover it when we hear that oh so and so character is being put under the Disney umbrella and this is how it will affect a series you know and love so much but right now as all of the pieces are starting to fall it's just like i hope that the most amount of people possible land in a place where they still have a job yeah like especially if they want to stay with Mm -hmm. this company and whatever way they divide it up underneath the overarching umbrella i just hope the people who need and want these jobs 
get the opportunity to keep them because that's a very scary reality to me. But once all of that is said and done, (laughs) you can bet we're going to talk about all the updates right here on Collider Movie Talk. We will keep you as updated every single time we get a new piece of information. So, Debbie, thank you for bringing that up. Guys, thank you so much for being here with me today. Roka, you rock, Koi. You're awesome. So is Adam in the booth. Adam, I hope you get all the Denny's your heart desires. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for watching this episode of Movie Talk. As always, please like and share it and tell everybody you know about the show right here on YouTube and also in podcast form as well. We will see you tomorrow, 4 p.m. PT, for a brand new episode of Movie Talk. Hey, little Chico, Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.